Amen. Let's, uh, let's continue, folks, as we've been still in our series on the church. And we're moving into the area now of the giftedness. We, we said that all of us have a gift. Amen? And that gift is to be used. So it begs the question, what is my gift? And am I using it? Right? Is it an option to not use your gift? Nope. <laughs> God doesn't give that. I just, I, it's not in the word. I, I didn't find, if thou chooses not to use it, thou shalt be blessed. It, it's not there. Right? And I think part of the issue when you start talking about giftedness, people immediately jump to, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a. And, and, and they tend to focus on these positions or roles in the church that are high visible roles. That's just human nature, right? That's the way we think. But you don't see that in Scripture. Certainly, pastoring is a gift set. Certainly, teachers give set. But there are many other gifts. And to keep in your mind, as we're walking through this series, Whatever gift I have, why do you have it? Well, not only to use it, but why do you have the particular gift you have? Because God gave it to you. Christmas time. How many times have you gotten that present? And you're like, oh, this is nice. And you immediately are looking for the return receipt if they put it in there, right? Some of us are like that when it comes to our spiritual gifts. We're like that. I, I don't like this. I, I, I don't like if my gift ends up being, like, I don't like that. Your problem is not with the gift. It's with the gift giver. So we got to remove this human aspect out of how we view the gifts. Okay? This is, this is all about God's glory. This is about God giving each of the members something to do, to use among us. And whatever that is, I'm going to rejoice in it because it's by his grace that he gave that to me. So we have to remove out of our minds, comparing yourself to other people. I wish I was. I wish I could. No, no. The gift that you have is the gift that God has given you by his grace. Rejoice in it. And use it. So that's that's where we want to land. We need to land what is your gift and are you using it? Now the other thing is this, before we jump into the text. I think sometimes when we look at our giftedness, we tend to look at it as only being used when we gather on Sunday night. That's, that's wrong thinking. Certainly, we can use it on Sunday morning. Gifts of serving, as we're going to see today, right? Gifts of mercies. Gifts of compassion. You look at what Juan and Ashley are doing, right? So there's, but it doesn't mean that it only can be used when there's a church function. No, no, no. He's given these gifts to us as his body to continuously be used. It can be in the context of church. 
It can be in the context of just doing life. I, th- I think that's missing when we look at the gifts. You don't have to use your gift of encouragement only on Sunday. Okay, I got the gift of encouragement. All right, I got to find somebody. Uh, oh, there's somebody. Hey, young man, that's a nice shirt you have on. Oh, okay, got to, I use my gift today. Praise the Lord. Okay. No, this is the gift that God has given you to be used always, which means on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Wednesday, Thursday, you could call your brother and sister in the Lord and use your gift of encouragement. So, so we have to remove it from this microcosm of only within the context of the church, only when we're in this building. No, no, because remember, this building is not the what? Church, see? We are the church. So even as we go out and do life, we should be using that gift. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace. We pray now, God, that you would open up our eyes. Give us understanding. Lord, we want to be using the gifts that you've given us. You gave them to us to be used. It is one of the means through which you build up your body. If we're not using it, Lord, we're, we're not doing the work. So I pray that you would begin to make it clearer and clearer the importance of these gifts. And then help us to begin to discern what is it? What is it that God has given to me to use for the edification of this body? So we pray, God, that you would work these truths in our hearts. In Christ's name. So let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12 is one particular section where he will begin to talk about the gifts. There are a number of passages in Scripture where he will talk about the gifts. We're going to look at Romans today. Probably will not even get through all the gifts that are listed in Romans, but we're going to start here. Right at the beginning, he starts out, I appeal or I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I love that, right? Now, remember, he just got off of 11 chapters of unpacking the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ, okay? In light of all that God has done through Jesus Christ, for the Jews and the Gentiles, now starting in Romans 12, he gets practical. So there's the theology, you've heard me say this, there's theology, but theology without practice is worthless. It's not just about head knowledge. So Paul starts out Romans 12, and now he's saying, as a Christian, we need to actively present our lives as a living sacrifice. Playing off of the Old Testament imagery of sacrifices, right? They brought animals in the Old Testament. We don't do that. Christ was the Lamb of God. Died once for all sin. So what do we sacrifice now? We present our lives as sacrifices. Beautiful picture. Just as the animal was supposed to be holy, unblemished, so our lives are to be holy, unblemished. You see the parallel. So Paul is exhorting the believers, in light of this, now present your life as a living sacrifice. And that last part, which is your spiritual worship, 
Basically, what is he saying? This is what makes sense in light of God's mercy. <laughs> in light of all that God has done for you, through Jesus Christ, made you righteous, as we celebrated today, right, through his blood. It is reasonable. It makes total sense that we, in turn, would do what? Live for him. That's what he means. This, this is your reasonable way of living. This makes sense in light of all God's mercy. And again, we don't live our lives a certain way to earn his salvation. That will be work salvation. But I'm living my life as a sacrifice to him because I already have salvation. Amen? So now he begins to get real practical. So how do we do this? Remember, he started off by saying, present your life. Okay? How do we do this? Look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into the mold of this world, the way the culture thinks. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is why the study of God's word is so important. Metamorphosis, right? The caterpillar to the butterfly is what that word means. We want to be changed. We will be changed as we do what? Renew your mind with his word. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer it. How much are you renewing your mind with YouTube versus the word? TikTok versus the word. Instagram versus the word. Don't answer. Let the Holy Spirit do the convincing. Is TikTok, YouTube, Instagram bad? No. Content on it can be bad. But they also can become means for which we are constantly uploading messages in our minds. And in proportion to studying God's word, God's word is very merciful. Amen? So again, if, if we're going to be transformed, if we're going to look more like Jesus Christ, we have to immerse ourselves in his word. This is where the renewal is. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. People come oftentimes in a counseling setting and they ask, Pastor, I don't know what God's will is. Maybe some of you, right? What is God's will for my life? You know one of the ways you begin to discern God's will? It's not magical. Get in his word. <laughs> Get in his word. The more you renew your mind, the more you hear the heartbeat of God through the Bible, the more he begins to do what? Direct your steps. And you begin to walk in his will. This is why Satan wants you to stay out of the word. Because if you can stay out of the word and just upload in your mind all the stuff that's happening in the culture, you're going to be lost. You're going to feel like, man, I just feel like my life ain't really going anywhere. I'm just all over the place. You have to get back into God's word. His word is what guides you into the will of God. So Paul's getting real practical here. You want to discern what is the will of God? What is his good and acceptable and perfect will? What pleases his God? You have to get in the word. One of the hardest things to do is to develop a discipline of time in the word. Why? You ever find it so easy to read another, another book that's not the word of God? For those who like to read, you can sit there and just read that book for two hours. You come to open up God's word, all of a sudden, you start yawning. Like, what is that? Right? It's a spiritual battle. Satan knows. I want to do everything to keep you out of God's will. So now, he begins to move into the gifts that make up. Notice what he says in verse 3. 
And notice he's still talking about presenting your lives a living sacrifice. Right? And he talks about not being conformed. Right? Being renewed. And guess what he moves right into? That's a part of presenting your life a living sacrifice. Using your gifts. <laughs> wow. This is all inclusive here. Look at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. In other words, don't be drunk about how you think about yourself. Don't be drunk and intoxicated with you. Right? That, that, that's the image here. No, be, be clear-minded. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, he's about to go into talking about the gifts. You see the disclaimer he's putting up front? He's about to talk about gifts. And he says, now listen, don't be thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. You see, we're going to learn later in Corinthians that God's people were doing what? Exactly that over the gifts. Boasting. There was so much division. Because I got this gift, you don't. I have that. Oh, my gift is more powerful. Than and Paul's like, wait, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. We need to think soberly. Everything that he's about to lay out, every gift, including Paul's gift, he says what? It's by God's grace. When he says in verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I don't believe there he's talking about his salvation. A lot of times we see the word grace, we say, oh, he's talking about salvation. Not always. In the context, he's talking about his position as an apostle. It's only by God's grace that I'm an apostle. It's only by God's grace that, that, that I'm called to do what I do. Now I'm challenging you. Understand it's only by God's grace that you have your gift. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Wow. See, guys, this is where we got to leave the human aspect of this out in comparing ourselves with one another. Because, again, the gift has come from God. According as God has seen pleased to give it. You can't compare yourself to other people. So it invokes a spirit of humility that we ought to have. Look over at Galatians 2. Look over at Galatians 2, to, again, to see this idea of grace being given in the context of gifting, not salvation, okay? Galatians 2, starting at verse 7. On the contrary, Paul speaking, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel, to the circumcised, so this, so this is Paul talking, God sent me to go to the uncircumcised, God sent Peter to go to the circumcised. So the Gentile versus the Jew. Look at verse 8. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentile. You, you see, two different Gift sets, right? 
God gave me grace to do this, Peter, to go do this. Okay? See, see what Paul's doing. Look at verse 9. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me. Notice that? What did they do? They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. What, what, did, what did the pillars of the faith, James, Cephas, and John, recognize? They perceived the grace that was given to Paul. You know what? God has gifted him. God has called him to do this. Because look at the end result. When they saw that grace, they did what? Right hand of fellowship, go to the Gentiles. The really practical application here, others will recognize the gift in you. Others will see it. When we get to the practical, how do I know, how do I know? Well, don't, don't stress over how do you know and get moving. Get moving. Get moving, right? We said this last time, like, start to do something. Well, I don't know what to do. Do something. Well, I, what am I doing? Pick up the stand. Okay, I pick up the stand. You feel anything? No, 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 no. You have the gift of stand, right? No, but, but that, again, we, we tend to over-spiritualize this. You know why? Because I think we tend to, when we start talking about spiritual gifts, we start focusing on the, the supernatural gifts. Prophecy, tongues, visions. Okay, well, those, those, are, those are gifts, yes. And I think we tend to just sit there and wait for one of the big ones to come. Right? Number one, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Because now in your mind, you've already created a dichotomy. This gift is more valuable than this. Tell the hand, say to the foot. That's what, that's what Paul is going to deal with in Corinthians. Stop comparing yourself. But there will be a recognizing as we do life together. Pastor Emmanuel, I have talked about some of that with some of you. I really, I see that. I see, yeah, I see that in him. I see that in him. Right? There, there, there will be a recognizing of it. But make no mistake. You have a gift. God has given it. What, what makes this a little challenging is what? God doesn't necessarily give a full-blown description of all these gifts and how they work. Tongues, pretty much, very, very, very explicit. Pro prophecy, yep, yep, let every prophecy be confirmed by two or three more people, right? But some of these other ones, gift of compassion, whoa, whoa, whoa. where's the playbook on that, right? And this is where some people get confused, like, I don't know. But sometimes you're, you're reading too much into it. Just go and be compassionate, right? So, so again, Let's, let's look at Ephesians 3.8. So Paul, Paul was recognized as having this grace that God gave him to do his thing, which was to go to the Gentiles. Look at Ephesians 3.8. To me, Paul again, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. Again, I don't believe this is salvation. Grace was given for what? To do what? Well, what does it say? To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, 
There is salvation that comes only through God's grace. Amen? Talked about that at communion. But then there is grace that God gives you to use your gifts. And this is what Paul was emphasizing. The grace that was given to him. And God has given to each of us a measure of grace. Amen? Don't have an inflated view of yourself. Know that each believer has been gifted and it's going to be according to the measure that God has given. Now listen, let me ask you a question. If God gives you something, what makes it so extraordinary? The fact that he gave it to you. Not what the gift is, but who gave it to you. Amen? We got to remember that. It's not the thing that I'm doing. Well, I just want the gift of prophecy. Well, that, that's a cool one, man. Right? We, we get to focus on the outward. No, no, no. Who gave you whatever gift you have? God. That's what makes it valuable. See, that's why you can have something in your house that so just seems mundane. You could walk into my house and you could see a double-A battery sitting on the table. You say, hey, Pastor Lon, is this any good? No, that's dead. Okay, I got it. Let me throw it away. I, no, 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 no. Dude, it's dead. What are you doing? You're like a recycle god or something? What? No. This is the last battery that was in my grandpa's basement. See all of a sudden how a mundane battery took value because of who it came from, who it belonged to? Think about that. You have stuff like that in your house all the time. You got, I guarantee you, you got stuff in your house. If I came from your house, I'd be like, well, throw that out. And you'd probably go crazy. No, my great, great, great Annie gave me that. No, my mom, my dad gave me that. No, no, no. It's a piece of paper with a line across it. Yeah, I know, I know, but, but this is when they, and it has a memory, and it has, it's about them. It's not about the item. It's about what the item represents. Every gift that God has given you points back to God. And when you start thinking about who God is, and the angels cried, holy, holy. You see, you start looking at your gift that way, man, it changes everything. I don't care what my gift is. It's like, Lord, thank you, because it came from you. So think in relation to your giftedness, in relation from God, that has come from God. Now, let's continue in Romans. Look at verse 4. As he now is approaching the gift. For as in one body, we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. Amen? We don't have the same function. We all can't do the same thing. It wouldn't make sense. Verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. We are unified together in Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? And, watch this, individually, members of yourself, 
of one another. Guys, listen, what is he saying? We have a diversity of gifts among each of us. Each of us have one, right? All of those gifts have different functions, yet we're one body. It's a beautiful picture. And we have a responsibility to one another. Look, you don't use your gift, please hear this, you hurt the body of Christ. You ever think about it that way? Individually, we are members of one another. So if God has given each of us a gift, individual gifts, but we're all one big family, and I don't use my gift, I'm hurting the body. You think God's okay with that? No. See, guys, I tell you, we, 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 we look at this, and it just changes your perspective on, wow, giftedness is serious in God's eyes. You have an obligation, I have an obligation to the body of Christ. So some people like to come to church, and they like to just say this. Well, you know, I just like to come in and just worship God, and, you know, I'm kind of like a private person. I just, you know, and then I go, and I come back. What I appreciate that's what you like. I, I, I hear you, and I understand why you like that. It's just not biblical. <laughs> it's just not biblical. We are not called to live our lives, watch it, in isolation to one another. That, that's not biblical. We are individually members of one another. There is a relationship there. There is an accountability there, guys. Not, oh, well, your pastor's just going to get in my business. No. Trust me, I don't want to get in your business. <laughs> Trust me. I don't want to. I, I would be like, la, 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 la. I don't want to know. But. All of us are supposed to be in one another's business to some degree. As Pastor Emmanuel said, with wisdom, with wisdom. But so many times we just, we, we just have the mask on, right? Nobody really knows where you are. Nobody knows what you're really struggling with. Nobody knows your fears. Nobody knows your doubts. Nobody knows you haven't picked up your Bible in four months. Nobody knows you're doubting your son. Why? Because we don't let them in because we don't believe we're individually members of one another. But this is the way God has designed it. And maybe I'm stuck in this mud because I'm not doing this. Guys, are you beginning to see how important this is? Your gift that God has given you, what did he say? It is to edify the body. And build one another up. Maybe the lack of using our gifts in each other's lives is part of the reason we're stuck. See, I'm realizing God has means through which he works. And we can't change those means. When people come to me for counseling and they're stuck in a rut, they're stuck in a rut, they're stuck in a rut, I know I sound like a broken record to them. And I just had a, a couple come in yesterday, and they're stuck in a rut. And I remember meeting with that couple 10 years ago. Well, I remember you guys. I remember you guys. And they said, well, it's just getting bad. And 
I said, let me ask you a question. And they, all, they already knew. Oh, I know what you're going to say. I said, but you know what I'm going to say, but you're not doing it. What do you want me to do? God works through certain avenues. You want God to work this way. It's not going to happen. So you're going to keep getting the same thing. How's your time in the Word? How's your prayer life? I see, there you go, there you go. Yes, there I go, because there you go again. Off the rails. Guys, again, this is, we can't go around God's way that he designed it. You know, it's kind of like a hanger, right? What's a hanger for? What's a wire hanger for? Hmm? What was it designed for? It's designed to hang clothes. Oh, I know where you're going, because trust me. Unclawed toilets. It was designed to hang clothes. You can take a wire hanger and unclog a toilet, unlock your car, TV reception, bro. Remember that? Yep. We're able to get five channels when you put that baby in there and turn it. Like, oh, wait, there it is. Stop. There it is. Mickey Mouse. Right? Let me ask you a question. Once you use it for one of those other functions, go ahead and put it back in the shape of a hanger. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. And then you get frustrated because, man, every time I hang up my shirt, it just, boom, it falls off. I said, well, well, why does a hanger look like that? Oh, I had to unlock my car. Well, that's not what it's designed for. You, you can't go against the design and, ex and then come back and you think it's going to work the way it was supposed to work. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way with God either. You can't be devoid of time in the word, time in prayer, time in meditation, time fasting. You can't have that out of your life and think that things aren't going to go off the rails. And then they go off the rails. It's like, God, what are you doing? And God's like, no, where have you been? Guys, listen. This idea of one another, and this is hard because we live in a world where we've been hurt. I get it. I get it. This is not easy to do. We've been in a world where, yeah, I, I reached out to that person, and, and then, you know, they burnt me. Yeah, I tried to. And, then, and so what do we do? We close up shop. I get it. Been there, experienced it in my own life with God's people. I get it. Trust me. I got wounds. Manuel got wounds. When we first met, we started sharing our wounds. Oh, look at this one. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at Oh, man, look at that. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, look at this one. Yeah. Thank you from God's people. <laughs> so I get it. You can be hurt. I get that. It doesn't change the way God designed it. It doesn't change it. We are individually members of one another. And we got to pray for his grace, for his humility, and God help me to move towards my brothers and sisters, because this is the way you designed it. And you always have to ask yourself this question. If I'm not doing something the way God designed it, what am I missing out on? It's like the person who said, before you take that fence down, ask why it's there. Man, I'm taking it down. As you get that last down, and look, see, look, look how big it open is. And you look across, and there's five pit bulls coming your way. <laughs> now you realize why they had the fence up. Y'all don't know what happened. What happened? You took the fence down. Let's keep going. So we have this responsibility. Look at verse 6. So then he says, 
We understand we're one body. We're responsible to one another. Having gifts that differ according to the what? There it is again. According to the grace. Just like Paul's was according to the grace God gave him. Let us use them. The gifts are not given to not be found out use them. And whether I'm hurt by somebody or whether I'm, whatever, those, those excuses do not negate this. And now he begins to list the gifts. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. In other words, again, based on God's distribution, prophecy. Now, this is where we get into unpacking, okay, what are these individual gifts? What do they mean? What do they look like? Well, prophecy here simply means interpreting God's will, interpreting, speaking what God says. Now, there's a lot of debate over some of these gifts. I'll put that right up there, and I don't probably have to tell you that today, right? But understand that, that, that in the context here, prophecy is declaring something from God. This can't just mean teaching the Bible which some of my dear brothers and sisters say. And I love them. And I used to hold that position. Oh, and prophecy, that, that just means teaching. Yeah, that, anything supernatural, blah, no, 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 that's old school. That was for the apostles. This is just teaching the Bible. No, let me tell you why I can't do that. Because teaching is listed as a separate gift. Mm, you have a problem with that. Remember, let scripture interpret scripture, not your system of thought or your preconceived theology pouring it in. Now, I understand why people are like, whoa, no, hold on, Ron, whoa. I'm supposed to listen to all these people with a word from the Lord? No. No. Because God tells us to test every spirit. Okay? But again, don't allow the abuse of something to cause you to throw it out. That's what we got to be careful. So the idea with this prophecy is declaring something from God. This is, this is um, giving utterances. And notice what he says. This is something that he says to do in proportion to our faith. According as God has enabled you to. Right? But make no mistake. This is listed as one of the gifts. Now, we're going to run out of time already. But we knew that already. Let me, let me just, we'll come back and, 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 and continue here by God's grace. He's going to go on in verse 7 and say, if service in our service, right, let's do it. The one who teaches, see, that's why that can't just be prophecy, because there's a separate gift of teaching. Let him go ahead, by God's enablement, teach, okay? But we're going to stop there, because I'm going to have to wrap up. Let me have you walk away with this, I pray. Again, you may be sitting here today, and you just don't know what your gift is. That's okay. That's all right. Okay? We'll get there. I want to encourage you something, to do something. As we're unpacking the gifts, you don't have to wait until we unpack and explain all of these gifts and, and finish this thing before you start moving in some practical ways. And here's how I want you to begin to move. Number one, start talking to God. Pray. Father, I believe your word. Your word says you have, you have given me a gift. God, would you reveal that to me? Is that a valid prayer? I think that's a valid prayer. 
God, you, I have it right now. I am clueless. I don't even know what it is, Lord. And I want you to go and begin to pray and talk to God. You think God's going to, oh, I gave you a gift. Not going to tell you. Not going to tell you. So start with prayer. Start with going in a word. Start with reading 1 Corinthians 12, the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, right? The whole chapter, Romans 12, the whole chapter. Begin to meditate at what God is saying about these gifts prayerfully. Lord, open up my heart. Open up my mind. Let's see what the Holy Spirit does. You might be like, oh, my goodness, I can't get through this, right? That's what I want you to do, number one. Number two, here's a practical thing I want you to do. Let's begin to get into the lives of one another with wisdom, seeking to encourage one another. Hey, how are you? Hey, can I do something? Maybe the Holy Spirit will bring something to your mind. Hey, why don't you do that for that person? And you do it, and, you, and you're just like, you just get so much joy out of just doing that. You're like, I don't know why. Why am I so happy about this? It's su- such a simple thing that I did. Well, I don't know. Maybe you have the gift of compassion. You didn't even realize it. You understand what I'm saying? Let's get practical. And number three, know this. Don't just sit and be moved. You've got to put action to this. That's what I'm saying, to pray and get moving in one another's lives. Why? Because you have a gift, and it's been given to you to be used among God's people. That use does not have to only happen when we're together. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for your grace. I pray, oh God, that you would continue, continue to open up our eyes to understand this. This is such an important topic. God, this is something that you gave to your people. And I, I fear that many of us are just living oblivious to it. God, no doubt it has in part, has to be part of the reason that maybe we're not growing in our faith. So I pray for each of us. Open up our eyes. Give us understanding, oh, Lord. Help us to understand these gifts. And, Lord, help us to begin to walk and use them. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. In Christ's name, amen. All right, God bless you.